No? I did. Father, we just thank you, God, for this time together. We thank you, God, that we are going to make up our minds, Lord, that you are going to change our hearts, God, that we will not leave here the same, Lord, that what we hear, God, will sound like it's coming directly from you, Father, that you go straight to our hearts, Lord, that you refresh us, renew us, my God, that we will learn something new about you today, God, that we'll be excited to serve you, Lord. Ignite our fires, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, <laughs> I have no good story to start with and no quick connection to transition to the message, so we're just going to jump right in. We're in Malachi 2, 1 and 9, and I feel like Pastor Hank gave me a five and was like, tag your it. Do you, do you watch wrestling? <laughs> All right, so that's kind of where, where I'm thinking we were at. Um, in my old church, so I wanted to give you a little bit of a cultural experience. If you want to take part, if not, it's okay. I can do it on my own. Um, we used to do kind of like a popcorn reading thing where people got up and just read the scriptures. If anybody, we only need nine people not max. That can be three from each area. Um, I think I gave PTSD to third graders um, in the last service because people were staring at me like, are you really wanting us to read out loud? Uh, so yes, you can read it from the screen. If anybody's willing, could you please stand up? Thank you, Chad. Appreciate you. All right. So we'll start this way and then work our way over, okay? Go ahead, Nancy. Marcy. Joel. You're already there, girl. But you have turned from the way, and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. So I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people because you have not followed my ways but have shown partiality in matters of the law. Now you know why I didn't want to read it alone. So what do we know so far? Right now we know that um, Malachi is a prophet who is mostly unknown. It might not even been his name. We know that the people were apathetic, and that just means to lack interest, enthusiasm, or concern in this matter of the things of God. Um, this wasn't the first time the Israelites had gone astray. It wasn't the first time they were warned there for their negligence of worship. Um, they have been warned for not keeping up their end of the covenant with God before. By then, by Malachi's time, God had delivered them over and over. 
by then they knew of God's faithfulness. If they hadn't experienced it firsthand, they would have heard the stories or the history during worship sacrificial services or during the remembering festivals. Except the priests weren't doing their job. The priests had two jobs. One was to ensure worship was conducted properly and the other to teach and the other was to teach. The people didn't care about how they worshiped and the priests didn't correct it either. The priest could have told them to come back with a better lamb. They could have refused even to sacrifice, but they didn't. They didn't stir up the people to remember who the Lord was or what he had done for them to excite the proper worship. At this point, worship, worship sacrifices, the daily burnt offerings were rote. They were routine. Nothing to think about. Quick, grab me a lamb. We are headed over to the sacrifice. They didn't consider the lamb that what they were sacrificing. Actually, they did. They kept the best for themselves. They brought the sacrifices they didn't want, the blind, diseased, and lame, sacrifices they couldn't eat or breed. They had no use for them, the leftover, the crumbs at the bottom of the sofa. And this nonchalance is a reflection of their hearts. They knew what had to be done. They just didn't care anymore. You're probably wondering, what does that have to do with us today? Let me help you get there. In 1 Peter 2, 9, gosh, you guys are serious. In 1 Peter 2, 9, um, it helps us. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not, mer not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So once we receive Christ as our Lord, we become children of the Most High. We become that chosen people. We are a part of a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Why would he do that? That we may declare the praise of him who called us out of darkness into the wonderful light. So I want to ask you, and those who heard me preach before know that I'm super interactive. So I want to ask you, what have you traded when he brought you out of darkness into light? I'll give you a couple of seconds to think about it. I'll, I'll share mine if you're ready. I traded anger for trust. And my last time I preached, I had talked about how God brought me from anger and how he did that process for me and getting me from there to here. Um, and that anger was a symptom that I did not trust God to work on my behalf. So I had to protect myself in my mind. Now I can say I trust God. He has taken my old anger and turned into knowing God as protector and defense. So I traded my anger for God's protection and, and defense. I have traded that for to trust him. So I know him now as defender and protector. What do you know him now as? Are you comfortable sharing this title with your neighbor? What do you know him as? Yeah, answer to each other. Share with your neighbor what you know God as. Provider, faithful, father, healer, savior, redeemer, friend, father, lord, defender, protector, counselor, prince of peace, righteousness. All right. 
The priesthood was an inherited role. Although some research says that by Jesus' time, they bought, they bought their way in, they paid for that role. But we come by it honestly. We are co-heirs co with Christ, who is the ultimate priest, becoming and presenting the sacrifice once and for all. What does that mean? Before Jesus Christ died, the priest presented the sacrifices daily and throughout the year for different God-appointed reasons. When Christ died, he became the sacrifice, unblemished, perfect, and final. Sacrifices were no longer necessary because God, Christ died for us. Before, the sacrifices were only for those who brought the appropriate item, whether it was an animal or grain, but this time, the sacrifice was for everyone, whether you believe in him or not. This sacrifice gives us access to forgiveness that couldn't even be found before. Before, sacrifice was just a covering. Now we are washed clean. Year after year, the people had to bring a sacrifice to be covered. All we have to do is ask Christ for forgiveness of sins. So if you think about it like this, you're outside, you're hanging out all day. You come inside and you put perfume on your body. You just covered up, you're outside all day. Opposed to being outside all day, hanging out outside and coming in and now you're washed clean. The difference is, the difference is known between taking a bath and spraying or putting underarm doing over stinky underarms. Okay, at least I know you're awake. So all we have to do is to ask Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins to be washed clean. And I know I talk about this a lot. It's because it's so important to know that forgiveness is found in Christ. No shame, no guilt, no pity parties, because that's me. Christ takes us where we are in all of our imperfections, in all of our unworthiness, in all of our selfishness and filth, and washes us clean. He loves us anyway. He desires a relationship with us anyway as we trust him and he turns his heart toward and he turns our hearts towards him he creates in us a clean heart in Christ we become a new creation we don't have to be that anymore we don't have to respond that way anymore we don't have to rely on our old patterns but can trade in our bad attitudes and inappropriate reactions for his peace and self-control it'll take time but it takes being renewed of the mind and that happens by reading your bible all right, back to the priests. So how is this connected? You might get out of church early, okay? I got a little bit today. How is this connected? Because it's now our job to show the world what is acceptable worship. And I'm not talking about coming in here and participating in a 20-minute song set and sitting passively as we listen to the, the pastor preach a wax poetic. That is just doing the bare minimum. And I do consider coming to the church coming to the local congregation as a, have you heard that, um, iron sharpens iron? So when we come in, I feel like this is one of the ways where we get sharpened, where our knives, our tools get sharpened. When you're in Bible study and life groups, when you're having those conversations to edify and build you up and increase your faith, that's times when you are getting sharpened. So coming to church is important. I'm just saying that's not it. There's more to it. The Bible in 2 Corinthians 3, the Bible tells us that we can be a letter written, not with, we can be seen as a letter written, not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. The letter's purpose is to be read. And I'm not talking about making a show. Because one thing my past has taught me is that there's no future in fronting. And for those who don't know fronting, just means pretending. I'm sure that you have noticed that there are people who will call us out for not behaving as Christ followers from the sidelines, watching our comings and goings, and making a judgment call whether we are or aren't Christians, whatever that means in their mind. 
they are already reading our lives. So what are we putting out for others to read? If we aren't excited to live for God, how will others be excited to serve him? Did I tell you we're going to need your notes? So get your paper and pen out. Get your little device ready. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions I just want you to think through. We don't have to answer them here or now. Ready? Where are you right now with your relationship with God? Are you just here to be here or are you actively engaged in a growing relationship with God through Christ? Where is your relationship at with other believers, your siblings in Christ? Now we are all one family. Do you even have community? Do you have anyone that you can call on to pray with you? Are there people who call you that you can pray with them? Do you need community? Let us know. We will get you plugged in. If we don't know, we cannot help. You are not meant to go through life alone. How have you grown in your relationship with God or people? Have you received the forgiveness found in Christ? Have you offered forgiveness empowered by the Holy Spirit? Are you setting time aside for intentionality in your relationships? For instance, with God, are you reading your Bible regularly? Are you having set prayer times? Are you taking solitude and rest? Rest was built right into the routine. It is okay for us to take a break. It is okay for us to get a reset and a refresh. And in my mind, in my mind, when I am, it's, it's more of a striving. When I don't take a break, it's because I'm feeling like I need to do something in order for something to happen. I'm not taking a minute to stop and trust God. To give God that moment either I'm always around people because I don't trust being alone. I don't know what feelings are going to come up. This is me. I'm talking about me. I don't know what feelings are going to come up. I don't know how my thoughts are going to flow. So I'm constantly around people so I can keep that from happening. I don't let the, the stuff bubble up and out. Am I not taking a rest because I'm afraid that if I stop, everything else will stop? Believe me, I'm the one to say in my house, if I don't do it, it don't get done. I say that over and over. I have five kids. Believe me, if it's not going to get done, if I don't do it, it don't get done. But God is saying it's okay for you to rest, to stop and take a break. It is not going to fall in. Are you engaging with other believers? Consider your relationship with others. Are you surrounding yourself with people who love God and encourage your relationship with him? Who are edifying you, building you up. And you're doing the same because it's a give and take. And is there any room in your relationships that you have now to share the love of God, how you love the Lord? Where do you find yourself resisting God or hesitating? Do you have people in your life who can call you out on yourself? Who can, in maturity and love, help you see how you can honor God better in a situation? So this question I'll answer, but I want to ask you first, what makes you excited to serve God? In 
the rooted class, I'm the fourth, well, I'm not. Somebody's been teaching it in the fourth class. And one of the questions we ask to see how ministries are, are flowing and building and what people, what's igniting, and so, and part of outreach, what's in you that you want to get out. One of the questions is, what excites you about serving God? And how can we plug into that so that way it's in your regular routine to serve God in that excitement? So one thing that excites me um, to serve God is that I don't have to hold the world on my shoulders. So I'll tell you about my first time that I did the, um, the foot washing, my foot washing experience. It was at another BIC church. And um, I was new to the area, definitely new to the, I was just there because they had a Spanish service, let's be honest. I didn't even know what BIC was. It was local to my house. And I was just like, I'm going to go here. They have a Spanish service. And it just happened that it was in during that time when they were doing foot washing. So I said, I'll come and I'll be a spectator. And I was ready just in case God prompted my heart to take part in whatever was happening. Um, and so as they were going, so yeah, so my posture was if I felt like it, right? So as they were going through the service and talking about foot washing and what foot washing meant for them and you know how you do a little service for foot washing, um, God was softening my heart. And so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll wash somebody else's feet because it's serving one another, I'll wash somebody else's feet. So I was okay with that. And then when it came time for my feet to get washed was when I had a, a moment when I was just like, I don't wanna let you in my world. For me, it was, a, it was pride, honestly. I'm, go, I'm going through this and that, and I don't mind serving you, but I could hold my own. I can do it by myself, I, I got this. And God was softening my heart to say, no, we got this. You have to carry each other's loads and share each other's burdens. This is not about you, you are not isolated. It's not only for you to serve, but it's also for others to serve you, to come alongside you and journey with you. And when during that service, I tell you, I, was, I went in there, um, just went in there with the attitude of if I felt like it and coming out, coming out with that attitude like, I'm really going to have to love my brothers and sisters enough to let them know what's happening. That's the only way we can journey together if we know what's happening. This surface-to-level relationship is not what was meant. Okay? All right. All right. That I am not alone that I have a God who loves me enough to surround me, he loves me enough to surround me with a community that looks out for me, a community that wants what's best for me and my, and my children. When you come from a place of, you know, keep on trucking, keep pushing forward, come on, you know, tighten up your belt, keep going, you don't stop, you know, don't let, don't cry. Don't let them see you sweat. When you come from that kind of place to, we're going to, we're going to wash each other's feet. There's a huge shift in thinking. There's a huge shift in attitude. All right. In that community, there are people, okay, in that community, and where I'm at, so this will be now in this community, because I was at that community, now I'm here. In this community, there are people who I trust that will say to me when I'm wrong, that will hold my feet to the fire. They will remind me of whose child I am, remind me about who I serve. Last week, Pastor Hank was talking about um, that the people were disillusioned with God's timetable. Table. Like, they weren't happy with how things were going and how fast they weren't happening. They wanted it a certain time, a certain way, and they weren't getting it. So they were kind of disillusioned, like this is not happening, right? But I feel as if it was the, the priest's job to remind them that God was still there with them, that God cared for them while they're waiting for that answer to prayer. God was there to protect them, to provide for them, to answer prayers, to guide them. 
That is our lives. That is what our lives are to be, a reminder to others that God does care, that God is here, that God does protect, provide, and answer prayers. Um, in my old, in my old um, when I was coming up, when I was getting raised, I was raised in the church. When I was coming up, we had this thing where they always wanted to tell you, you know, you got to find your purpose. You got to find your calling. You got to, you know, you got to know how God is calling you up to be. And so we had all this, like, pressure on us to find out what God has called us to be. And in all that, this is what I found. In 2 Corinthians um, 5, and actually the whole chapter is a lot of meat to grab away. Like, if you, want, if you want something meaty that you can be like, oh, yeah, 2 Corinthians 5 is it, Okay. So I'm going to start at 16, only because 17, where I want to start, starts with therefore. And therefore means you have to hook up the first verse to get to the next verse. So I don't want to give you therefore without giving you the top. So that's the only reason why I'm seeing 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We don't get to keep the same perspective. That person who is, no longer, who is not deserving of your time is now deserving of your time. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. We do not hold that same point of view of who we thought Jesus was. Now we know him who he is. He is the great I am. He is the Lord of all. He is our redeemer. He is our savior. There is no God like him. Therefore, so this is a therefore. We don't see Christ in people the old way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Here's the purpose. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Here's the forgiveness. Not counting people's sins against them. He doesn't throw it back up in your face. And then he committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We're making the appeal on God's behalf. Please give your life to Christ. God is here for you. He wants relationship with you. Be reconciled to God. So I put this in there because I like this. this it just goes with it. God who made, and I like the song too. God who made him who had sin to be sin for us for, so that we can become the righteousness of God. Before Christ, I had no righteousness, none. Even on my best day, even on my best day, it was still as a filthy rag. Nothing I can do can earn God's love. He already loves you. We are God's representatives here on earth. When people see us and know that we are Christians, that we follow Christ, that we believe in something greater than ourselves, when people see us, and know that we were counted as worth the pain, the pain of the cross, the nail in his hands, the thorn on his head, the beating, worth the humiliation. We were worth the lowering of himself to become human. We shouldn't keep this good news to ourselves. We should be bursting at the seams to love on others. If we are God's representatives, our first reflection needs to be love. Because God is love. And John 13 says that people will know we are his disciples if we love one another. And in my old church, we had this good word called manifest. How does that love manifest? How does that love show up? <clears throat> Shows up by putting others above ourselves. I'm talking about being a little inconvenience to meet the need. I'm talking about showing up for your brother or sister when we know that they are isolating themselves. I'm talking about walking with someone as they journey through dark places. 
I'm talking about being kind when someone is causing your moño to be parado. That is a Spanish term. It means like if somebody's getting, it happens to me, it gets you so mad that your ponytail rises up. <laughs> I have to be kind to that person, moño parado. Nothing that we have received is for only our benefit. Christ has made a new creation out of us for his glory, but for others to know the work he has done in us. So we're going to practice. Practice makes normal. I want you to turn to a neighbor and allow them in two sentences or less how you are being made new. New attitude, new point of view, new career, new whatever. How are you being made new? Wrapping it up. Now it's your turn, the other person, to tell how you have seen God show up lately. Not your whole testimony, people. Just a quick how you have seen God showing up. Are you ready? Now the person in front of you or behind you, I want you to tell them a title that you have gotten to know God consistently, a characteristic of God. It should be one word or two that God has, character, has consistently shown up in your life, a consistent way God reveals himself to you. All right, now I want you to think of someone, so this, this, this stays inside. Now I want you to think of someone who will be in awe of the growth you've had in Christ. Someone who could know you from point A and can see you at point B and be like, wow, God has done a mighty work. They have grown, they have changed. Think of someone that can see that growth or change. All right, I'm going to answer it. So, so everybody knows that uh, I had anger issues, right? So one time we had a situation, actually it was pretty recently within the last year, we had a situation where um, I was put in a situation and <laughs> I resolved it peacefully. That's not the big deal. The big deal is that <laughs> my kid, my one, my one child was like, Mom, I'm so proud of you. Before you would have boom, 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 and bam, bam, bam. <laughs> And I'm looking at the child, and I'm like, wait, we're not in the car yet. Give me a minute. I'm still trying to control it. And she's like, so she's like, mom, I can't believe. Like, she was totally like, mom, I cannot believe. And I was like, and I just was like, it's okay. So we got in the car, and I was just like, thank you, God, that my kid can see 
where I was and where, especially my firstborn. My firstborn has seen so much. Julia and Lucas have two totally different moms. Like, Julia and Lucas have two totally different parents. Um, when Julia was his age, she, she had a totally different parent than what he has right now. Thank all oh, the glory goes to God. That's totally God. All right. So I know some of us are in a tight and dark place right now. I know that you are trying your best to put your best foot forward. You're trying, to, you're trying your best to keep the smile on your face. You can't be worried about what other people are thinking or even asking you how it is to worship God right now. And I'm going to ask you to hold on tight. Hold on tight to Jesus. Hold on tight to the community that's around you. I want you to lean into your community for strength. I want to remind you of the times that Christ has come through for you. And even when we thought that it was a last-minute um, provision, it was right on time. Those moments when you feel alone, the Bible says that he will not leave you nor forsake you. The rest of that same verse says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Matthew 28 tells us that he is with us always. He says that he is our very present help in the time of need. He is there right now in the midst of it. He is your very present help. Continue to pray so that he can strengthen you and sustain you. Allow God to be your shield. Let your heart and your thoughts trust him. He wants to be your refuge, your shelter, a place of safety. I want you to bring it all to him. Those emotions of disappointment, of anger, of rage, of fear, of distress, of anxiety, just plain being tired. He is a safe place to unload all of that. The battle that you are fighting, you are not fighting alone. If God is for you, does that even help to know that God is for you? That he is on your side? He wants what's best for you. That while you may not know what the outcome is, he is taking everything under control. He cares for you. And while some circumstances make you feel like everything is falling in, and I've been there when everything, more than once, where I felt things were falling in, that nothing is going right right now, know that God is working on your behalf. That Christ is sitting at the right hand of God right now making intercession for us. You have to let us know. You have to lead into your community so we can be there for you. You do not have to go through this alone, whatever this is. And for those who have lost their interest, who have little concern for the things of God, who are feeling a little blah about serving God and need a pick-me-up, a quick shot of espresso of the Holy Spirit, let me remind you of the God, the Lord God Almighty who you say you serve, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who separated the dry land from the sea, the one who was a spoken word, spoke life into existence, who has, this, who has set the seasons into place and put them on a timetable. This same God came to earth to live and to show us how to live, love, and serve. And he came through that person in Jesus Christ. The same God knew you before you were in your mother's womb, knew, knows how many hairs you have on your head, has created you for the purpose of having a relationship with him. He says that he searches for his sheep and looks after them that he desires goodness and mercy all the days of your life, that he has loved you and continues to love you with an everlasting love. I cannot feel blah about that. Amen. That should excite you and turn you, I don't want to say turn you on, but turn you on. That should make you be like, yes, I can serve that kind of God. That's who I serve. That's right. Yes, 
You know, the priest's job was all about ensuring God's people had a relationship with him. It was through those sacrifices and through those rituals um, that the outsiders were able to see how God had a relationship with Israel and how he provided and cared for them. That it was through this observation that they would, that would cause them to pause and ask questions about their own God, their own lives. How can God be there for them? Can they get that kind of access? And we know today that they can get that kind of access. That is the kind of life that we need to live, a life that will cause others to question where our joy comes from, a life that reflects that even if things, not if, when, even when things are getting tough, we can still trust God to be there. Okay? So we're going to do a quick prayer. Then we'll call the worship team up. Then we'll do the benediction. Ready? All right. I know I gave you a lot, and I know it was really fast because I talk fast. So I just want to say a quick prayer of repentance. I feel like Andy Saylor stole my thunder, but we won't go there. All right. Thank you, Father, Lord. We ask you, Father, um, just to forgive us, Lord, for giving the hardening of our hearts to the conviction of your Holy Spirit. Forgive us, Lord, for shutting our ears to the godly counsel in the body that you have placed us in, the body of the believers that we worship with. Forgive us, Lord, for being oblivious and closing our eyes to what's happening around us. Forgive us, Lord, for not bringing peace and love in the situations and relationships we have influence on. Have your way, Father. In Jesus' name. All right, Pastor Linda, it's me and you. And Pastor Patty.
that brings faith having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds father we ask you that you will have your way open those conversations give us opportunities to showcase your love and your mercy your grace your joy wherever we go God your healing God that our healing will be contagious that our healing will be contagious, that our joy will be contagious, that our laughter will be contagious, that when people ask us, Lord, that we would have an answer ready, that we would not shy away or back away from conversations, Lord, but that we'd be able to have courage in sharing our faith, Father. Have your way, God. Bless this word in Jesus' name. Amen.